We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning. It's my wife. continuing our series uh, our text today is taken from first John chapter 3 one verse of scripture I'm going to read it out of the King James and then out of the Amplified Bible he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Amplified said, But he who practices evil doing takes his character from the evil one, for the devil has violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to undo destroy and dissolve the works the devil has done. Uh, kind of as an aside, I uh, there's not very many scriptures I haven't preached in, in my lifetime, but uh, I, I preached a message on this text, I don't know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, on uh, wiping out the footprints of the past and if you look in scripture that's what God does for us he goes into our past and he wipes out the footprints where the devil has left in our lives and in our world and uh, you know it, it, it's Psalms 23 goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life that God always has goodness and mercy walking behind your life. Uh, you know, erasing and, and covering with his grace what mistakes and failures you've had in your life. But we're talking about, you know, the purposes of God and becoming what God has purposed in your life. When you put a limit on what you can be, you put a limit on what you will be. No one can set a limit for you, not in life, nor in the church, nor spiritually. Uh, somehow we have this idea that, you know, the pastor and the leader of the church kind of sets the parameter of where you can spiritually operate, but that's not true. You set it. Uh, you determine the depth of your walk with God. You determine the working relationship 
that you have as an individual with God. No one else can set the parameter on that. Only you can set the parameter on that relationship with God. What Satan did in the garden was he seduced Adam and Eve into actually destroying their potential. That's what he did. He caused them to take an act. And in that act, it cut them off from the source of their potential. They not only lost the garden, but they lost the most important aspect of the garden, and that was the fellowship of God. Anytime that Satan can interdict between you and your relationship with God, he seeks to limit your spiritual growth and development and maturity and what you can be in God. I think we all understand that Adam enjoyed a symphony of heart with God a harmony of his life, of his thoughts, of his purposes. Adam had unlimited access to who God was, what God was, and could discuss on a daily basis what God had designed and purposed for his life. It was fellowship on a level that we can only dream of, a level of fellowship that is promised to us in the future, but because of sin and failure, there is a somewhat of a limitation on our lives in our world today. Adam understood the deep things of God. The Scripture says of Moses that the children of Israel saw the acts of God, but Moses understood his ways. And there's a vast difference of seeing where God is working and understanding the way that God works in a life and works in our, our culture and our society. I've often said that when you walk with God, you are have to understand and embrace the fact that you're always going to fellowship a mystery. I was talking in the office, I was talking with Jesse, that in the book of Job, there's only 14 verses in all the book of Job that Job did not know. That's the first seven verses of chapter 1 and the first seven verses of chapter 2. Job was aware of everything else that went on in the book of Job. 14 verses. That's 1.4% of the entire book of Job. So Satan doesn't, or God doesn't have to hide very much from us to keep us in the dark and, and to cause us to deal with so much mystery in our lives. Jesus said to Satan that he comes not but for what, these reasons, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That word steal comes from the Greek word klepto. We understand what a kleptomaniac is. 
is to steal, to utterly, utterly slaughter and destroy the potential that we have in God. Every negative thing, every negative thought you've ever had in your life never emanates from God, never. It always comes from the devil. Every kind of attitude that evolves in a culture where one group of people or one characteristic or one segment of a population is diminished, that's the work of the devil. It's never the work of God. It's always the work of the devil. He seeks, he seeks to minimize, to nullify, and destroy who you are and what God has placed on the inside of you. He's always attacking what you can be and to limit and inhibit your progress and your growth, not just spiritually, but in life. The very thing that Satan offered to man by sin, he said, you will be like God. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. What Satan promised them, they already had. And man lost what he had by his sin. And we have to recognize that every time we transgress against the law of God, that we diminish who we are. We diminish in some aspect, at least on the immediate sphere of life, what we can be and what God wants us to be in our life. As I said, Adam, he enjoyed an understanding. He knew things about God we groped to understand. He possessed a wisdom. I mean, here's a guy that was created an adult. He never went to school. He never matriculated from college. Yet he named every animal. He had the breadth of understanding created in him after the image of God. And what we're doing as Christians is we're trying to recapture in our growth spiritually what Adam lost in the garden. Satan's perpetual ploy is always that God is holding out for you, from you. That all the fun is in the world. That all the fun is, can only be had outside of the church. You're not supposed to have fun in the church. You know why you have a sense of humor? Because you're created in the image of God. God has a sense of humor. Just go look in the mirror. God has a real sense of humor. He has a real sense of humor. Satan is always telling you, you can be so much more. You can have so much more. You can do so much more if you put God out of your life. That's, that is the whole message of, of our political structure. You got to get God out of school. You got to get God out of the government. You got to get God out of this. You got to get God out of that. Otherwise, you're going to have all of these limitations. You know, 
the sports world has more intelligence and understanding about how the game of life is played than any politician ever has. Because in a basketball court, you have to play the game inside of boundaries. And the only points that count is when the ball goes through that basket on one end of the court. Every game, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, basketball, they have rules. They have boundaries. One thing I've learned about living for God, I learned from golf. I really did. Because on a golf course, you all face the same course. You all have to deal with the same water hazards. You all have to deal with the same sand traps. You have to deal with the same rough. You all play the same course. And it's the skills that you develop and how you, there's a psychological aspect about playing golf. You have to know the tendency of how your ball flies. You may have a tendency to draw it. If you're a right-hander, that's going from left to right. Or you have a tendency to fade it, which most golfers do. Right-handed is from left to right. And you have to strategize and play. There's some holes you have to accept. The best score I can make is a bogey. And you tee off planning on a bogey because you know that to play it straight up, you're going to double bogey it, triple bogey it. You're just going to add strokes. You have to have a strategy. So it is with life. God is not holding out on us. The game has to be played within the boundaries. The game is enjoyed best when it's played by the rules. Now, I understand recreational golfers play a different game than the pros play. Well, it's not just many golf. You know, they have no mulligans on the tour. And in fact, yeah, foot wedges, you know. I actually played with a pastor who played by the rule that you could improve your line of sand trap by at least one club length. It's almost impossible to get in a trap that you can't go forward or backwards the length of a driver and be out of the trap. Now, the pros, if they're going to miss a shot, they're going to miss it in the trap because they're skilled at playing out of sand. Most recreational golfers hate sand. Hate sand. God is best. If you live for God hard, it's easy. If you try to live for God easy, it's hard. Nakedness has come into our lives because of the fall. The Bible says Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. And ever since the Garden of Eden, we have become professional cover-ups. Cover-up just doesn't happen in government. It just doesn't happen in politics. Cover-up has become part of our DNA. 
there's there's things that we're constantly hiding. And that's because sin has made us afraid of God, afraid of others, and afraid of ourselves. And the person that we lie to more than anybody else in the world is ourself. Isn't it dumb? You know you're lying because you're lying to yourself. But you want to believe it. We distort who we are. That's the worst part of sin is that it has disfigured the image that God has for every human life. Now, in some ways I understand why God made a multiplicity of of races. In other ways, I don't understand. Because it's in the nature of man to somehow make a division between races. But God had a purpose for every race he created, every race. And as I've said before, there's really only one race. That's a human race. God isn't concerned about what you have done. He isn't concerned about the failures that you have made. In fact, God has anticipated every failure you've ever made in your life. He knew you were going to do it. Before you ever did it. He knew it. But has God ever stood in your path and tried to prevent you from making that failure? No. All that God has done, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And God just wants that our faith doesn't fail in the midst of our failure. The worst tragedy of the fall is that it has given us a distorted image of who God created us to be. God isn't concerned about what you've done as long as you can be transparent with Him. And I've I've said this. When I came to Arlington at the beginning of this church, I made a promise to God that I would never pastor the way I had pastored the previous years of my ministry. I wasn't going to present myself as some perfect image of Christianity. I was going to be me. All my faults, all my failures, and if, if the people couldn't live with that, they'd just have to go find another church because I'm human. The church is not perfect, has never been perfect, and never will be perfect. If it was a perfect church before you got here, it become imperfect the day you got become a part of it, the day I become a part of it. There is no perfect church. As I've said, heaven wasn't perfect. There was a devil in it. 
There was even a son of the devil found in 12. You'd think Jesus could pick at least 12 people who had it together. None of them had it together, but one of them was the son of a devil. When we are connected with God, you can know things, experience things spiritually that you'll never understand with the intellect. You'll never have faith out of here. This is an enemy of faith. The Bible says it's an enmity against God. God's wisdom isn't learned. It's discerned. There is an aspect of the humanity that I have become aware of over over my years of ministry, and that is that as a human, rarely do we operate any day of our lives at 100% capacity. The older you get, the more pain is an omnipresent part of your life. I mean, I used to be able to sit cross-legged on the floor and just get up. Yeah, I used to. I used to be able to high jump over six feet, pole vault over 13. That's it. Used to. But when you lose a faculty, others become keen. When I first got in the church, we had a revival. There was an evangelist called Dick Masters. And at about eight years old, he lost his sight. He had some kind of eye surgery and an infection set in, and he lost his eyesight. And so as he grew up, you know, transplants become a part of it, but he decided, you know, he'd lived in a world of blindness all his life. He, he didn't want to be any different. Now, he was married to this woman. God taught him how to play a saxophone in a dream. He'd never taken a lesson. The guy could forevermore blow a saxophone. He could almost make that thing talk. Uh, but in his blindness, he developed... Uh, him and his wife evangelized, they traveled, they pulled this little trailer behind them to carry their equipment in it. And uh, he carried the car keys. Sylvia, his wife, Sylvia called her. She didn't carry the keys, he carried them. He could pull out a set of keys, a whole host of keys. He'd just feel the key, run his finger up how the key was cut, and he could tell which key it was. He could tell if you were pouring hot or cold water into a cup just by the sound it made. I remember my pastor, they were staying with, with him in his house, and uh, so the pastor walked in, and Dick was getting ready for church, and the light was turned off in the bedroom. 
And Brother Tim said, well, here, let me turn on the light, turn on the light. Dick said, I hope that helped you. It didn't help me a bit. But he could compensate. He learned some faculties increased in their sensitivities, other. But when our spirits are marred, when you're marred spiritually, it's inevitable that you will turn to creation and not to creator for your source of knowledge and understanding. And that's what's wrong with our world today is that they are their own source of wisdom. They are their own source of knowledge. Understand this. There's a broad difference between facts and truth. Facts change. There are a lot of things that were absolutely, I was taught in school that were facts that are no longer taught as facts. But truth, what's called axiomatic truth, is true in every culture, in every generation. It has been truth. It was truth. It is truth. And it always will be truth. One of the things the Scripture tells us is to not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. The right hand in Scripture is a source of authority. Don't ever think that Jesus physically sits at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a description of authority, the authority that Jesus has. There is in our nature... Have you ever taken a trip and packed a suitcase that was heavy and you pick it up and you're walking down the airport concourse and you find yourself falling in the direction of the load? It's easier to carry a heavy load in both hands than it is to carry a heavy load in just one hand. What the Scripture is telling us that it is amazingly simple as a human to make the switch. You, you carry it, you always pick it up with your dominant side the first, the first time you carry it until it gets weak. And then without even thinking about it, you switch it over to the other hand. The switch from spiritual to carnal is just easy. It's almost automatic. And you have to be aware of it in your walk with God. That you don't make the switch in your life from human knowledge, from spiritual knowledge to human knowledge. Satan's motive is to kill, to steal, and destroy. Anything that's at work in your life to kill who you are, to steal who you are and destroy who you are is not from God. The Bible says that the motive of Jesus Christ is to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That word abundantly comes from a Greek word that means exceedingly abundantly, superfluous. 
super abundant. John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living, living water. John 4, 14 said, But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There is a relationship with God that is always constantly flowing and overflowing in your life. That when you face challenges in life, this springing well gives you understanding, lets you know in your spirit what you cannot know mentally of what course to take, what, what, what route to take, what choice, what decision. Proverbs tells us wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. All of us are cognizant that there is dormant ability in our lives, that there are things that we are capable of. There are untapped resources. There are unused abilities in our life that we've never developed. Some of them just because of the time constraints that it would take to master some kind of thing. You know, we rarely master anything in our life. Paganini, who was probably history's greatest violinist, made this statement. If I go seven days without practice, the audience knows it. If I go three days without practice, I know it. If I go one day without practice, my master knows it. There is an intensity that's required in the mastery of anything. There are things in your life that have not manifested themselves no matter how old you are. When Jesus came, God was manifested in the flesh. But if he is manifested in the flesh but once, that's not enough. God intends for him to be manifested over and over and over again in our lives. You know, if you hold an acorn in your hand, You'll never see its fulfillment unless you understand what's inside of it, what it's capable of. Unless you know there is an oak tree inside of that acorn, you'll never see the potential of what's on the inside of it. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's coming to know God in a way to understand what's inside of you of the capabilities that you have in your life. You know, sometimes I amaze myself at things that I think I come up with. But I, 
And honestly, I realize I just ain't that smart. But God is. And when I connect to his wisdom, there are things that come out of me that are supernatural, that are unbelievable in connection with him. And that's what God wants to operate in all of our lives. You understand that you look at, even in the Old Testament, people who never went to Sunday school a day in their life, never sang Jesus loves the little children, never got baptized, never had the Holy Ghost, but because they walked in the Word of God, they were put in pagan nations and they were they excelled and were promoted and promoted and promoted till they were just under the ruler. And it was because of their walk with God. Joseph and Daniel are two primary representatives, as was Nehemiah. You have to know what God's put inside of you. And that's why I say most of us live so far beneath our potential in God. Now, we understand that there are certain conditions that an acorn must be put in before it could reach its full potential. There's an environment that God meant for an acorn to exist in to become the oak. You can plant pansies in a pot, but you can't plant an acorn in a pot. It needs a larger realm of operation. I was preaching in Bridge City, Texas, and a whale got into the Sabine River. Somehow it came up through the intercoastal waterway through Fort Worth and got into the Sabine River, which runs between Port Arthur and Bridge City. And they had to send some marine biologists into the river to kind of help guide that whale back out the Sabine through the intercoastal waterway and back into the Gulf because the Sabine River wasn't deep enough for a whale to operate in. Sometimes we try to operate in spiritual depths that are not deep enough for what we're trying to operate in. That's why God is doing the things that He's doing in the church. God is dredging us out. He is deepening our concepts and our realization and our experience with Him. If you understand the purpose of something, only then can you understand the conditions in which it must exist to bring it to its full potential. Millionaires and billionaires understand things about money that are a mystery to you and I. They understand the science of money. 
So they have learned how to, instead of earn a living out of their skills, they've learned how to make their money, earn money, and more money, and more money, and more money for, for them. You have to understand the best environment for your life to realize its full potential. You have to understand the conditions under which something must exist. You can't take a goldfish out of the bowl of water and carry it around like you can a puppy dog and expect it to survive. It needs the environment of, of, the, of the water bowl or the fish bowl for it to survive. So the Bible asks us this question, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. All of man's science will lead you further and further and further and further and further from God. It pleased God. It tickled him slapped to death that by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So what is wisdom? How is how can you and I live a life of wisdom? We live it by fulfilling God's purpose in our life. That's the best expression of wisdom, is living for the purpose. Now, how does God express His wisdom? There's only one way that's written of in Scripture. And Paul said that when God takes angels and wants them to look into his wisdom, he has them to look into the church. When God wants to matriculate the angels in his wisdom, he doesn't show them creation. He shows them the church. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Because in the church provides the best atmosphere to restore man to his original purpose in God. It is the best environment. That's why you cannot be saved as a Christian at home by yourself. You need the church. You need the environment of the church. You need the corporate affinity for truth of the church. You need the uh, broad spectrum of, of light mind, like minds of light precious faith to build you and to encourage you and to give you a reference of life 
of how to live life because the church, man, is meant to be restored to his original purpose because it is the environment that God has created. You know why God created the world? He needed a place to put man. But before he ever created the earth and created man, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world because he knew that for man he was going to build a church and needed somewhere to build the church, so he built the earth. The earth is the purpose, is the sole purpose of why the church exists. The church is the most important entity on earth today. That's right. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Holy Ghost baptism is not just essential to salvation. It's essential to become what God intended you to be. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That word strengthen comes from a Greek word that means to infuse. Every day, I watch Ivana take a boiling hot cup of water and take a tea bag and put it in it. And what once was water becomes infused with tea. It changes the color. It changes the flavor. It changes the entire characteristics of that water. That's what the Holy Ghost is meant to do in our lives, to change, influence the entire character and nature of who we are. You know, Lockheed Martin is just west of Fort Worth. Uh, they have been involved in building a lot of military aircraft across the years for the United States. And uh, before an airplane is put on the assembly line, they have to determine what its use is going to be, whether it's going to be a fighter, whether it's going to be a bomber, whether it's going to be a transport airplane. And the entire development and design of that aircraft is built into it. The purpose dictates the design. The purpose dictates the design you are who you are because of God wants out of you to be what you are. You're created with a purpose in mind. There was a design in the heart of God and the mind of God for your life. You have to understand that. Otherwise, you can frit away and, 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 and completely lose your life. Man, I'm not going to get through this either. Before every space mission, there's a mission evaluation. And on that spacecraft is only carried what is absolutely necessary to complete that mission. 
every flight you've ever taken, if it's a one-hour flight, all of the fuel that they'll put on that airplane, they don't fill the tanks up every time it takes off. They only put enough fuel to get you to your destination and for 45 minutes of flight beyond your destination. In case something happens at that airport, they can't land, and they have to divert the flight to somewhere else. They want to give it enough fuel in the airplane. That's why sometimes you're told by a reservationist that there's no seats to fill. You get on the airplane and there's empty seats. It's because they knew they had so much cargo they were carrying in the hold that they had to take offload passengers. I know when Delta used to fly into Rio, sometimes you couldn't get a flight out of Rio because it was mainly a cargo flight of flying materials into Rio de Janeiro. And so they determined the passenger load by the amount of cargo that the airplane was killing. Yeah, passenger airplanes carry cargo on every flight. So in case of emergency, they always have enough fuel on it to divert it to another airport. Are airlines smarter than God? I don't think so. One of the things that I taught is, is, is that you, you understand in nature, and I'm getting off, but in nature, there's always more leaves on a tree, on an apple tree, than the apple tree needs to produce all the fruit that is going to be produced in a season on that tree. There's far more leaves that are needed. You know why? Because of drought, because of infestation of caterpillars and, and, and different things that destroy the leaves. The tree puts out an abundance of leaves more than is necessary. It has a reserve. Most of us live our spiritual lives on the bare minimum that we can get by spiritually. And all of it takes is some unusual thing to come into our lives that knock us off kilter and we lose out with God. God intends for a, I want to have more prayer in my life than I ever need. I want to have more understanding for what can happen in my life than, than what I'll ever need in life. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He went through life, what was high, what was low, what was past, what was present, what might come in the future. And he, he come to this, this, this understanding. Nothing can separate me, not separate God from me, but separate me from the love of God. He had factored into everything that could happen into his life. He planned in advance. Smart nations do that. Smart households do that. Smart churches do that. Smart Christians do that. God never demands anything out of my life or your life that he hasn't put inside of us. That's why he said, whatsoever things you desire, pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What happens 
when you buy a product and it fails, it doesn't live up to the manufacturing specs. You go back to the manufacturer and you return it for repair. When you realize that there's things lacking in your life, God expects you to be smart enough to go back to the manufacturer and get what you lack spiritually. You know, we want somebody around. We want to talk to the preacher. We want to talk to this one and that one and let them input in our lives. You've got a direct resource. He's as available to you as he is to any preacher in the world. Every day, you have to take your faith back and have it inspected and have it tuned up. Every day, you have to take your experience and say, okay, God, you know what I'm going to face today? You know what I'm going to encounter today? I need you to put into me the ability to face whatever I've got to face today. God only demands out of nature what he puts in it. He doesn't ask for coconuts out of an apple tree. Show me one thing in creation that doesn't have the potential to produce what God ordained it to produce. You can't. And neither does it exist in the church. When God gives you a responsibility, with it, He gives you the ability. With responsibility, He gives you the ability. It's not that we can't. It's that we're afraid to. The Bible tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why these messages are so imperative. It informs us of who God is, but it also informs us of what he has created for us to be. If God has it, you can have it. If God knows it, you can know it. He will withhold no good thing from them that ask him. If he's got it, you can have it. It's fruit. The gifts of the Spirit are limited in their scope, but the fruit of the Spirit is not. Only against the fruit of the Spirit, he said, there's no law needs to be enacted. No restrictions need to be placed on the fruit of the Spirit. Because fruit comes from within. It comes from the nature. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was not living up to its potential. A fig tree flowers before it puts on leaves. And it's out of the flower that the fruit comes. This fig tree was full of leaves, but it had no fruit. By the time the leaves come to a fig tree, you know there's fruit on it if it's a producing fig tree. 
So God tells us to covet earnestly the best, best gifts. Yet I show unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way than gifts? No. A more excellent way than coveting. What you have to desire out of God has to become out of the foundation of love. Whatever you want in God is because you love some aspect of his creation that you want to serve. God just doesn't give it because you'd like to have it. But there's got to be a love, a commitment involved in what you need. The secret of God's use of a person is based on their capacity to love. So love your enemy. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that's in it, in us. And against such there is no law, there is no limit. What was man's original assignment? I'm going to have to quit. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Whatever you're a part of, God intends for you to have authority. You are more than what others see in you. You are more than what you expect out of yourself. And so the question this morning is, are you utilizing the dominion that God has placed in your life? Are there people and things? When a person is elected president, with it comes an authority of that office that doesn't exist in any other office of our nation. No one but the president can exercise executive privilege. He has authority and dominions that nobody else has. When you are baptized and you have the Holy Ghost, there's an authority that comes with it. There isn't any habit you can't uh, overcome. You weren't created to be controlled by anything but God. You were created to be in control and to have the government of things that are a part of your life. I close with this. Teddy Roosevelt made this statement. Ability needs responsibility to expose possibility. Ability needs responsibility to expose possibility. If you want the ability for something, take responsibility for it, and God will give it to you. Amen. I pray you're getting some good out of this. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.